0: You know, I often talk to to families this week and in the school and some hurting, some dealing with death and uh, in the daycare and a lot of things going on, a lot of uncertainties a uh, a lot of chaos and I'm convinced that we, we are entering the last season in this walk of life okay i'm I'm convinced with that um, and that that the church is in um, the last error, the last season. I truly believe that, that God is saying in the messages week after week uh, across the world, to, to, He's given to preachers to tell the church, it's time to wake up. You've slept long enough. You've come and filled long enough. You've fattened up. And now it's time to get lean. It's time to go. And it's time to be what I've called you to be. Um, and it's exciting uh, when we think about, uh, for a believer, the time we're in, but it's also, uh, we're, we still have the, the flesh, and it's, it's also an uncertain time. It's also a scary time uh, some days. But as I look around uh, in my, my family's life, my life, the church, society, I'm worried that the, the 21st century church is not equipped or, or I should use another word, maybe not a, a, equipped, but is not ready or willing to stand bold and face what is coming. As we look at Second Corinthians I want to want to ask you: uh, We're on faith again, faith. Will you stand in your faith or are you folding? We could say it another way. Are you, are you willing to stand in your faith or are you sitting? Are you committed to your faith? Will you fold when a doctor gives you a, a test result of a back prognosis? Saying, hey, you got four months. Will you fold or will you stand? When the government tells you you can't pray anymore. When the church doors aren't able to open. When you can't come and gather as a body, but church goes back to house to house. Will you stand? When when your faith comes and says, if you're going to preach the word and share the word, either you're going to die, if not your family will you stand? Faith says yes. If it costs you your life to share the gospel, will you stand? Will you hold or will you fold? Church, my prayer is that that the trials that we face Personal trials. That we can can have confidence and rest assured that the power of the gospel that dwells inside of us will keep us steadfast and bold and unashamed. Daily. That we won't fold or sit down. Man, that's what uh, Timothy says over... I haven't marked. Uh, Timothy says, over 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, it's a, a very well-known verse in, in verse 11 and 12. Fight the good fight of what? Faith. Faith. Will you stand or will you fold? Will you fight or will you sit? Church, that's, that's the days that we're in right now. It, it's, it's approaching Fast. So as you turn to uh, 2 Corinthians 12, let me give you a little background of this book. This was a a letter written to the church of Corinth in in about 56 AD. And theologians consider this one of the most personal and precious uh, of Paul's letters. It's, it's considered uh, one of the most personal writings in the New Testament. The church of Corinth was influenced. Man, they were influenced. who criticized Paul's ministry. They criticized and claimed that he was fake, he was fickled. He was unqualified to be an apostle, that he didn't have the right qualifications. His appearance or his speech was not eloquent enough. This is, this, is, this is what's coming against him. So he was unqualified as an apostle of Christ. And as a result of these accusations, Paul sent Titus. He, sent, and he said, hey, go deal with these issues. Titus returned, and then that, that is where Paul rejoiced to hear the change of the heart. So he wrote this uh, letter of gratitude to those who had uh, repented and still... Uh, to ask the uh, rebellious minority, if you will, to accept and abide uh, his qualifications and the authority that he had at that time. So in the letter, Paul defends his conduct. He, he uh, defends his character, and he defends his qual- uh, calling okay, that God had called him into. That's all in um, uh, this letter. So in the first part of chapter 12, Paul describes how God showed him the the uh, third heaven. Okay, he 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 sets and debates. He said whether it was in body or out of body. He said, "I don't know, but God knows." But God knows. So when God brought him into the heaven, we heard words that it, he wasn't even allowed to to speak. So can you imagine the the sights and the sounds, the wonders, the 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 seeings of heaven? It's it's. Look, it's right up here in the first six verses. If you want to go back and read the whole thing, it's in Scripture. So when when uh, here's where we pick up in verse seven, and we'll begin reading. In verse seven, it says, least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I exalt above measure concerning the things." I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And He said to me, "My grace is sufficient for you, and, and for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmity. In reproaches, in needs, and persecutions, and distress, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I am strong. Let me tell you something. The only way you can boast in infirmities is if you have a single eye, a single heart. When you are kingdom-minded. That's the only way you're going to boast in something like that. When you're looking for the kingdom of God to be elevated. Not I, but He. Not I, but He. His grace is sufficient. After a tough and discouraging week at work, Melvin, he went home and plopped himself on the, the couch and he began to wallow in his self-pity. He, says, he moaned to his wife, he says, no one cares about me. No one in the whole wide world cares about me. Everybody hates me. Well, she's sitting there doing her, her work at the table and didn't even, didn't even look up at him. She just sits there and says, well, Melvin, that can't be true. Because everyone in the whole wide world doesn't know you. They don't know you. You can say that, that Melvin had to be humbled from thinking he was all that in a bag of chips. Really? He, he had to quit thinking about him. And really, this is where we see in the picture, that, that the balance, the order comes in in Paul's life. The thorn comes in to, to Paul's life. Because what just happened in the first six verses? He just went to the innermost. The, the, the kingdom. I'm not talking about the skies or the galaxy. I'm talking about the innermost dwelling place of the Almighty. So can you uh, imagine how easy it would have been for him to come back and... You know what I just did? You know what I seen? Look, I got special credentials. So, to keep order and balance, he was blessed. Blessed. And man, this is what, what Melvin's wife brought him back down real quick. Hey, everybody doesn't know you, big boy. That cannot be. So, he wasn't boasting. God humbled Paul so that he wasn't boasting or proud, but uh, the chance was there. So he says, before that happens, I'm going to bring balance. The Lord knows how to balance our lives. He knows how to balance our lives. Can I say this? That there, there's a creational law, okay? It, Genesis 1, that we creation is made in order. And anytime you get out of order, you're out of balance. So you have to abide in the law of the Lord? Because it is good, it is perfect, it is order. If only we had blessings, we would become proud, puffed up. So the Lord permits us to have burdens as well. Man, he permits us. He allows it. He allows it. So hit Paul's experience in heaven, man, it could have ruined his whole earth ministry. That says, God says, no, I, I got things in store. Not done with you here yet. He has a special revelation from God. In verse 7, it says, And and least I should exalt above measure. By the abundance of the revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. Mm, thank you. Man, it, it, we don't look at it like that a lot of time. We look at it as, as the video shows of, of balancing the two of, well, I'm blessed with this, but man, all of these other thousands of things are going on. I'm going to focus on that and forget the goodness of God and the things he gives us. And walking in a life of gratitude and, and thanksgiving. It kept him from, from sinning. Spiritual, um, exciting spiritual experience have a way to um, inflating a human. Inflating, because when we, when we get an exciting ex- experience or emotions, man, they're going all over the place. They're rampant they puff us up. They're like, look at me. Look what I've accomplished. So this thorn is a blessing because it brings balance to, the, to our lives. It brings balance and order. And as a believer, as a Christian, we have to have balance. We have to have balance. Some Bible scholars Man, this is a a thing that is is debated. Hey, what is this this thorn in the flesh? Some debate in Galatians 6.11, it says that um, uh, they take that maybe Paul was going blind, he couldn't see because the the word says that he wrote um, largely to them, okay? And whether it was in in long letters or whether it was in print. So some argue if it was um, for that reason, uh, if that was the, the thorn, but all we can know is that it was something that caused suffering in his life, something that was aggravating uh, to him, and we can um, we can apply this same thing to us, same thing daily. Something we've been praying for that we want God to heal, and He hasn't healed. Something that we've been begging for, asking, and He still hasn't given it. That, man, that's a thorn. where you've cried for all hours of the night. You fasted for it, begged for it, prayed for it. And guess what? It's still there. It's still there. And you don't know what to do. (laughs) He says, I'm going to praise God for it. Then when you've prayed for it, fasted for it, you've begged for it, and God's not answering it your way, that's what Paul's saying. He said, "I prayed for it three times and it hadn't went away. Since I can't get my way, praise God, I'm going to bless him for it. Bless him for the infirmities, Suffering is one of those things in life that we don't enjoy. Who enjoys it? I don't. I don't. You know, I, I'm still a young man. Y'all, I know y'all are, are older than I. Y'all, I. I knew that that you guys were going to laugh when I tell you this, but I." I have used more muscle cream this year than I have my entire <laughs> life. Just right up here, up my, my shoulder and my neck. And I'm like, no one likes suffering. I'm young and I'm still crying about this thing. I, every day. Every day. <laughs> Thanks for the encouragement, brother. You know, it's one of the... Uh, sufferings is one of the great, greatest mysteries... That still hasn't been solved in this lifetime, nor will it be. And just because um, sometimes we suffer just because we are human, uh, or human, and our bodies change and they do grow older, and you know, some of it is the effects of sin and um, problems of life. But sometimes we suffer because we are foolish. Sometimes we suffer because of disobedience our own rebellion, because our actions have consequences. Our actions have consequences. So the, the Lord may see fit in his love to chasten us, to, to uh, if you will, uh, scold us. Listen, we see through the life of King David that, man, he suffered greatly for some of his actions, did he not? Suffering is also a tool, a tool to, for building godly character. Could could you have thought that, hey, Paul, I give you this thorn to produce character? Listen to what the Word says in Romans 5. Here it is, Paul, again, Romans 5. In verse 3 and 5, it says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our, our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Listen, Paul was a rich man. He was a man of rich character, a Christian character. But, but because he permitted God to mold him and make him, And sometimes that caused painful experiences in his life. You know, when you walk around uh, on the beach, you ever uh, see rocks on the beach and, you know, they have those little uh, inlets or coves. Have you ever like sat and looked at like the the differences in the rocks? You know, the rocks that are, are tucked away that the water is not beating on or pounding on, they're very what? They're very rigid, right? They run away, if you will. They're tucked away. But the rocks that are really getting pounded are smooth. They're refined. They're refined. Listen, God can use the waves and the billows to shape us, to polish us into a godly character. Will you let him? Will you let him? Notice verse 7. It says, Paul, a messenger of Satan. It says, a messenger of Satan was sent, sent to me to buffet me. Buffet me. Least I exalt above measure. Listen, God permitted God permitted Satan to afflict Paul, the same as he afflicted Job. I want you to understand, though, God is not the cause of evil. Okay, but he allows Satan to afflict. Satan can't work against the believer, though, unless God allows it. Boy, that's, that's good. He can't touch you unless God allows it. And if God allows it, really we should be saying, hey God, what are you trying to get out of me? What is it in me that, that has got to come to the surface to burn out of me? What is it? So God allowed Satan to to buffet Paul. You know what that word buffet means? It means to beat down. It means to strike with a fist. Man, this is, this is uh, in, in the, a tense verb, indicates that this was pain that was constantly recurring over and over again. So, so I want you to stop and think about this. This is an apostle. Man, he, he's got letters to write. God's got letters, the word for him to pen. He's got mission trips to go on. Sermons to preach. Churches to plan. And God's allowing this to go on, visits to make. So can you understand that this is a serious matter for him? He's saying, so praise God. If I've prayed three times and I can't have it my way, then I'm going to praise God that he's allowing it. That it's shaping my life. He prayed about it and God heard him. He prayed about it and God heard him. Listen to verse 8. It says, concerning these things, speak of... Speaking of his thorn in the flesh. So concerning these things, speaking of the thorn. I pleaded with the Lord three times that it may depart from me. And he said to me, my grace oh, and my grace is sufficient for you. And for my strength, it is made perfect. Perfect in weakness. Listen, when suffering comes in our life, there are several ways we can walk with it. And some people become bitter. Some people do the blame game. Blaming God. They become bitter with God. They blame God. And and the whole time they do that, they are robbing themselves of their freedom and the pleasures of God. And others give up and fail. Others fold. Their faith folds. They sit down. They give up. They fold. And then you have others as Paul. When they tighten the shoes of the gospel and they gird their loins, they tighten the belt and they put on the helmet. And they soak the shield in the blood of Christ. That quenches all the fiery darts. And they say, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep the fight of faith. I'm not folding. I'm not tapping out. I'm not bowing down. They endure. They endure. Paul takes this bad situation. To to most, would crush their walk. And faith says, I have a decision to make. I have a decision to make. Remember, we said Sunday that faith is an action. Faith is an action. I've asked God three times to deal with this, and he sent it back in a message. He's saying, listen, I can't get it my way, but I'm going to boast in the infirmities that the power of Christ rests upon me. That it rests upon me. Guys, this is powerful. Faith is trusting God without answers. It's trusting faith walks without seeing. Faith walks when He doesn't answer you. When you don't have clarity. There's other times when God is is increasingly silent or incredibly silent. Faith says, whether or not He answers me or not, it does not change my confidence because I have faith. And it doesn't change my mind that he's still on the throne. He's still king. He's still in control. Faith says, even if I can't see it so, I'm going to live it so. Listen, we need more Christians walking by faith and not by sight. We need more Christians that are rooted, that are built on the solid rock and not the ground of sinking sand. Faith says, I believe. I believe in my God. And nothing can shake that. Nothing. Faith is trusting God. So God, so God heard Paul. Listen, he heard him. He just didn't answer to, uh, the way Paul wanted it. Paul asked, Hey, take, remove this from me. He said, No, no. No, no. Not doing that. But I tell you what, I, I'm still going, I heard you and I'm still answering you. I still answer you. He says, "My grace, my grace." You know, it's normal for a, a Christian to ask God for deliverance from sickness and pain. But don't you understand that God has no obligation to heal every single person who comes down with sickness? Whenever we pray, he doesn't. But he does still encourage us to bring our burdens to him. And when he didn't hear uh, heal Paul, he said, But my grace, man, is sufficient to carry you through this. In your weakness, I am strong. Listen, if God does not show up in your situation, will you stand or will you fold? Will you stand or will you fold? You know what amazes me about this thorn? For many years, he had this thing and only prayed three times. Three times. Man, if I have been me every day, crying every day, every day. But he said, God, I'm putting this in your hands. I'm putting this in your hands. Faith walks in the hands of the Almighty. Faith finds shelter in the wings that allows us to soar as eagles. Faith. We all need to learn to suffer just because Romans 5 says suffering produces endurance. Church, we're going to suffer. It's something in life that we can't get out of. And we need endurance to what? Keep faith. Keep faith. And can I say that it takes more faith to trust God when he doesn't answer? What if you're like Paul and God chooses not to fix your situation? Does that mean that he doesn't hear you? No. No. Let me give you a few things right here that it could mean. God is allowing it. We do know that. God is allowing it. God is going to uh, either reverse it. So he's, he's allowing either He's going to reverse it. Okay. Or he's going to sanctify you through it. That he's going to use it for his glory. And he's going to produce a godly character in you. His image. He's going to perfect in you. And last, number three, last thing, God helped him. Look again at verses uh, 9 and 10. It says, and he said, My grace is sufficient for you, and my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would r- rather boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in, in infirmities, and in reproaches, in Needs and in persecutions and distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, there are two uh, messages really involved in Paul's painful experience. The thorn in the flesh was uh, Satan's message, if you will, to Paul. Satan had a message, a reminder. But see, God had another message, which was beautiful. It was what? Grace. 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 Man, what is grace? Man, it is God's provision every day. Every need when we need it. I said need, not want. Every need. Every need. It's been well said that that God, in His grace, gives us what we do not deserve. And in his mercy, in his mercy, he does not give us what we do deserve. Aren't you thankful? Grace. Others uh, put it as uh, God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches. Man, that, that is the richness, the prize of heaven coming down as a sacrifice for you. In other words, God bankrupt heaven for you. Send his son, his precious son. First John, or John one, in verse sixteen says, "And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace, grace for grace." God gave Paul a message that grace is sufficient. It is a strengthening grace. God perm- uh, permits us uh, to become weak that we may receive His strength. His strength. That's a process. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says that my power, my power is being perfected. It is being made perfect in your weakness. Listen, when strength knows itself to be strength, it becomes prideful. It boasts. But man, when weakness knows that it is weakness, it is actually strength. It is actually strength. It brings it to where God increases and we decrease. You know, many times in life we get our blessings one or two ways. We either get it through transformation and not substitution. Or Paul prayed three times and sometimes God gives substitution. In this case, he didn't. He heal through transformation. Give me health, and instead he give me sickness. Deliverance, instead, He give me pain and weakness. So sometimes God uh, does meet the need by substitution, but a lot of times in our life that we have to have a, a transformation through the season that we're in. Right? We have to have a renewing of mind. It's, it's renewing daily. It's being conformed to the word and not the world. That's a transformation process. When you become a child of the king, when you believe, uh, become a believer, he's giving you a new heart, a new mind. Right, That's a transformation process. So, There's only one thing that, that Paul to do in this time. God's not taking it from me. So i got to accept and allow God to accomplish his will in the process. Right? In this process. So when he accepted his affliction as a gift, it made it possible for him to walk through the season. For God's grace to work in his life. It was then that God spoke to Paul, gave him assurance of his grace. Man, whenever we're going through suffering or... um, We need to to go and spend a little bit extra time. See what he's saying to you in the season you're in. Go see what he's talking about. Because his grace is the word of God. And you can be sure that God will speak to you. But that's a two way street. You got to go, you got to get in it. Listen, God didn't give Paul explanations of why he was going through it, did he? But he did give him a promise. Isn't that beautiful? I didn't need to know the the why, but he did back it up with a a promise. You know what the promise is? My grace is sufficient for thee. Look, our feelings change. How many times a day your, your feelings change? Multiple. Multiple. But God's promises never change. His word is the same yesterday, today and forevermore. Amen. It's true throughout scripture, throughout eternity. Promises generate faith. Listen, when I can stand on the promises of God, it generates my faith. You say I don't I don't understand. Well, listen, We've said several times that faith is an activity, right? You ever seen somebody go to the gym? What are they doing? They're working out. They're doing what? Getting big. They're exercising. Do you know that the Word says that He gives unto every man the measure of faith? Well, why do we have some patriarchs or apostles or disciples in the Word that seems like that they are are, uh, exercising or have more abundance of faith than others? They're exercising their faith. Come on, man. We need more Christians who are exercising their faith. That he stood on the promises of God, he proclaimed them. Paul claimed God's promises. He took the grace of God that God offered him at that time. He didn't change the situation again. I want you to remember that. He didn't change the situation by remo- uh, removing the affliction, but he did change the recipe. See, the affliction was still there, but he, said, he put a little spice to it. He said, my, my grace, my grace will get you through this. My grace is sufficient. Somebody needs to tell, you, tell yourself that over and over and over. Listen, I've been speaking that to my spirit for two days. <laughs> two days. Spirit, listen up, because his grace is sufficient for you. And sometimes we, we need that. Because we've got to remind ourselves of the promises of God. Man, the Word talks about grace. I'm going to give you a few. Our God is the God of all grace in 1 Peter 5.10. Listen, in Hebrews 4.16, he says that he is the throne of grace that we have access to. The throne of grace. The Word of of God is is called the word of his grace in Acts 2032. And there's a promise in James 4 6 that he gives grace and more grace. Grace upon grace. So no matter no matter how we look at it, my God is adequate for every situation. That I walk through. Every situation. God's grace should enable us. Listen, when we feel disabled, God is able. His grace should enable us to go, to rise above the circumstances. But listen, this takes a perspective. This takes a perspective. For you to boast in the affliction, in the pain, Listen, you have to have your eyes uh, of your mind and heart set on the kingdom, focused on him and not what's going on around you. His grace should enable us uh, to bear us with his strength, not ours. I'm not able. I'm not able. You can examine my life all day until and I can tell you, I'm not able. Too much coffee. There's the first sign of it, right? (laughs) What's keeping him going right now? Coffee, grace, Christian. We got to come to the point of life to where we are boasting in the affirmities. I will glory in the affirmities. Listen, a word. He'll not give you more than he won't take you through. By His strength. By His strength. Not by yours. He'll not put you in a season where He'll leave you alone. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He'll never, he, he, he won't do it. That's a promise. His word said it so. So I know that so. We need to rest in assurance That He knows the path that He has before me. And that we're going to abide in the Word and let the Word guide us on that path to be a lamp. Guys, it's time that we stand and quit folding. Do you believe Romans 8.28? That all things work together? (laughs) Then start living it. And understanding through the process, even if I can't see it, He's sanctifying me. He's doing something in me. And I'm going to boast in that. In the afflictions. And have confidence that He's working it together. He's, He's conforming me to His image. He's restoring His original creation. That sin has twisted and marred and distorted He's making me perfect again. Man, that's good. Man, PT Force wrote this. He says it is it is greater thing to pray for pains conversation or conversion. I'm sorry. Let me read that again. It is greater thing to pray for pains con, uh, conversion than it is its removal it is better or it is a greater thing to pray for pain's conversion than its removal. So as we close, let me give you a few little lessons. The spiritual is far greater than the physical. And I'll tell you this, what happens in the spiritual will therefore and can become physical. Remember, we talked about a couple Wednesdays ago, we we was talking about Ezra, how he sent Nehemiah for the wall and he sent Ezra for the spiritual. The spiritual is important. He hit the heart of the matter again. If you don't address the the spiritual, it, it can and will become physical. But we also shouldn't ignore the physical because our bodies, therefore, are a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? That we are bought and, and purchased. That our bodies are not ours. But our bodies are tools that accomplish His work to build His kingdom. And He's, He's using things in our lives to develop us as Christians. To ve- develop character, value. God knows how, how to balance and bring order to our lives between um, burdens and blessings, suffering and glory. He knows that. Not all sickness is necessarily caused by sin. Not that it's caused by God. Don't mistake me. It is not caused by God, but allowed sometimes in situations. Okay? But it's not always caused by sin. But know this. There is something worse than sickness, and therefore it, that is sin. Okay? Okay? Y'all with me? Physical affliction should not be a barrier for our effective Christian service. It should not should not be a barrier. It should not be. Let me rephrase that again. It should not be an excuse. It should not be an excuse. You say, you don't understand how bad I'm hurting. Man, send a text message. Pick up the phone. Send, I don't have that either. We still got mailmans. Write a card. Write a card. Send some encouragement. Do not let the fiscal become an excuse. Will you stand or will you fold? Will you stand or will you fold? Guys, as I look around week to week, we have more folding than we do standing. We have more bowing out. Don't let the enemy talk you into giving up. Timothy Timothy says, Keep fighting the fight faith. Keep fighting. I'll give you one more. I'm not done. I thought I was. I'm giving you one more. Maybe. I have too many notes. Listen to this in Galatians 5. Galatians 5 says uh, in verse 6, For in Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision. Neither circumcision or uncircumcision avails. Neither one. Anything but faith working through love avails. What what does that mean? That means that nothing done or undone in this flesh makes a difference, but faith does. Faith does. Rest in the Word of God, rest in the Word. He's, he's always got a message for you daily. A message to equip you, strengthen you, encourage you. But you've got to open the word. You've got to open. Listen, when trials and tribulations and burdens come, remember, God's working in you. God's doing something. He's trying to pull something out of you. To get the dross out of the, out of the, the impurities out of you. He's growing you for something greater. Listen, when you're weak, allow him to fill you with his power, his spirit, and you'll be stronger than you can ever imagine. You'll look back and you'll be like, man, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. God does not intend his child to be passive or ineffective. He he doesn't. When obstacle comes, faith sees through the obstacle. You, you remember the veil in the temple? Whew. I didn't think I had enough for a right. You remember the veil in the temple? It's like uh, 20 by 40 and four inches uh, thick. Do you know that when the priests, the theologians speculate, there's two different camps. Do you know, theologians speculate that, uh, you know, they, some, some say they tied a rope and bells to them that way. You to, okay, all right. All right, do you know that? This, this is awesome. This is faith. You know, some speculate that they went through the veil to, another, to the innermost. Man, that's faith. That's God transcending us to another dimension. Sometimes when we have walls and barriers and obstacles in front of us, man, we got to get back to see a different dimension. We gotta, God, I can't get through this. You're going to have to work in me and through me and show me what's going on right now. Not mine, but your will. His power makes us effective. His power makes us affected, not ours. Church, stand. Stop folding. Stop folding. I'm afraid too many people are tapping out, folding, sitting down and quitting. Sitting down and quitting. The best I can figure, the trumpet hasn't sounded yet. Amen. So we got to keep on fighting. Amen? Amen. Bow with me for prayer as you you guys come play. uh, We'll play one stanza. Bow with me in prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for the most precious gift this world has ever received. Your Son. The sacrifice for each one of us who will accept and believe Mm. Father, I, I pray that the Christian understands the urgencies of the time we are in. Father, uh, Father that they would understand to keep being farmers. To understand that uh, by faith that they they, they keep sowing seeds and, and sow seeds and whether they see the fruit of them now, one day they will. For eternity, rest upon it. Father, I pray for, for Christians who tuned in tonight or sitting here that are tired. Father, I pray that they rest, that your Spirit would rest and work in them and and fill them with your strength. Father, that that you would rest and hover over them. Father, I pray that the ones who have bowed out and sat down, Father, that you would uh, rekindle the fire that was once there. Saying it's not over yet, I'm not done with you. So put the armor on and let's go. Father, I pray for the sick, the ones who are going through trials and tribulation. Father, I pray that your healing and comfort would be it would surround them. Father, I pray that just one touch of your garment. Father, I pray for this campus. Father, I plead the blood over this campus. The blood of your son. Father, that the enemy has no place here on any any corner, any hallway, any closet, any building. Father, that he he needs to get off this campus. He needs to get out of these ministries. And Father, that each one of these ministries, Father, that you are the focus. Father, that we would start using what what you give us to be good stewards, to to fulfill your creation mandate. Father, I pray that you'd have your will and your way, for you are, are the potter and we are the clay. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.